Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was Higher Ground from Stevie Wonder, a buzzy way to start the programme, Jazz Shapers. Here with me, Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. As you know, every Saturday morning, 9am sharp, I bring you the people who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, a jazz shaper, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. And my business shaper today is none other than James Daunt. He is the founder of Daunt Bookshops, which if you live in London, like me, you will have encountered. He is also now the managing director of Waterstones, which if you don't live in London, you will most definitely encountered if you are a person who goes into great bookshops. Lots coming up from James very shortly. In addition to hearing from James, you will also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues, including Gwyneth Herbert, Booker T, Dinah Washington, and this from Fats Domino, another classic, it's Blueberry Hill. Found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. On Blueberry Hill. That was Fats Domino and Blueberry Hill. As I promised, James Daunt is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. And James is the man behind the brilliant independent bookshops called Daunt Books. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. You didn't start your life and business in the world of books, did you? Uh, no, I did, did that. <laughs> he says uh, very no, un- well he didn't start his business life in books. Uh, I, I, my first job at a university was the very unfashionable profession of an investment banker. Um, I joined an American bank um, uh, and I have to say in, enjoyed it greatly, but for, for a very short period of time. And after three or four years, I left and, and set up um, Don't Books Bookshop. Now... When you speak, people say, oh, yes, and then I left and I set up this business and this business has done quite well. What at that point made you want to set up a, a business? Forget the fact that it was books for a moment. What made you think you could? Because you're an investment banker. Investment bankers don't often go off and do those things, do they? Uh, uh, to be honest and to my slight shame, I had absolutely no desire to do it at all. I loved the job and, and would have remained doing it. But my then girlfriend, and I'm glad to say um, uh, current wife, um, did. <laughs> uh, disapproved of, of both the lifestyle and the amount of work and the way in which I, I spent the entire time um, involved in things which have uh, no interest to her at all um, and demanded effectively that I start on something new. At, at that point, I then sort of thought, well, I had a great office job and, and there wasn't any point doing another office job, so I better do something for myself and my interests remain uh, reading and traveling. And uh, between those two, I chose uh, the reading part and, and set up the bookshop. And at that point, what was the market like in the world of bookshops? 
It was um, at the early stages of, of the great growth of bookshops. Uh, so Tim Waterstones had set up Waterstones, Otakus was beginning, and there was a, a huge expansion in the number of bookshops in the UK at that point. Um, unfortunately for me, it also happened to be at a peak of, of one of these sort of great cycles, of retail cycles, um, which meant that I managed to secure a lease, I think, at absolutely the top of the market before the, the, the collapse that came with the recession of the early 90s. So you were immediately, you were, there was a financial kind of, not struggle, but there was a, a question to be answered from day one that you opened your, your first bookstore, which I've, if I'm right in saying, obviously, was, was that the Maribone High Street? Was, was the Maribone High Street um, shop. The, the, whole, the whole place at th- that time? Uh, no, only half at that point. Right. Um, a, a, a beautiful, beautiful building and, and what is now a, a vibrant street. Um, and indeed, when I, when I opened it, it was a fairly vibrant street. About six months later, it was an empty street. And, um, and struggle doesn't even begin to describe um, the, the early years uh, which is just as well because I now find myself in a, in a similar type position and can hark back to what it's like when you're against the wall and, and life is really really quite difficult find out a little bit more very shortly from James as he talks about the current struggles that he's encountering time for some music in the meantime this is Gwyneth Herbert and Promises She's not the wife she thought she'd be It's not the life she thought she'd lead He's not the man she thought she'd come to need But still, he's always there In every sign she reads They were... That was Gwyneth Herbert and Promises. James Daunt's my business shaper today. He's the man behind Daunt Books and also now the man charged with the challenge of ensuring that the bookshop as we know it, and the big one too, called Waterstones, remains relevant and actually can prove itself to be, even in the current digital environment, a very strong business proposition. I just want to stay with Daunt for a bit, though. Bookshop number one is a struggle right in those early you know, mid-90s and things. When does the tide start to turn? When do you actually, when does that interest and that hobby of yours become actually a viable business? In our case, it took about five years. Um, we had probably three or four years of, of really difficult times. And then I think partly because we became a little bit better, but mainly because the environment became easier. Uh, we started to sell more and, and slowly build our customer base. And at that point, opened a second one at, at, after after five years. And really, from that moment on, Dawn Books steadily and, and, and it, it, with increasing success grew, um, including doubling the size of the Maribyrn High Street shop and opening uh, what is now seven shops. And uh, having bought books um, from, in fact, the Maribyrn High Street branch, um, what, it, what I felt as a as the customer, and I'm, I'm wondering where this came from, was unbelievable care and real knowledge. I was trying to buy a book and the book wasn't in, and I got a phone, they took my number, I thought, oh yeah, well this is fine, they'll take my number, nothing will happen. I get a call three days later, the book's in. And it isn't just the book's in, they go, is that Elliot? Yeah, yeah, just got to let you know, it's really good news, the book's in, when would you like to come and get it? Or actually, we can post it to you at work. That's proper customer care. Is that, was that your vision from the beginning, or was it just because there are passionate people who, work, who you found to work inside your company? I certainly don't think you can remotely fake that, and it is born of, of, a, of a true enthusiasm and a true desire to, to really meet all our, our customers' um, reading needs. And, and, of course, it is hugely more enjoyable if that's how you naturally behave and, and is absolutely embedded in the culture of the place. But, but certainly that was the bit that I loved about the job. I mean, you spent all day long 
talking to very nice people uh, with with lovely requests, which are basically, can you find me this? Can you find me that? What do you recommend for this? What do you recommend for that? And, and it was hugely challenging and inspiring. Um, and luckily, I was, I was always able to attract and, and indeed keep really similar minded people. And people talk about training programs, and I'm assuming now on the scale of which you're, you're working, training programs actually is you've you got to do them. But in that environment, you've got now around, I think there were 40 or 50 people working for Dawn. Did you do training programs or was it more osmosis made it happen? You know, they saw James and his passion. They saw the next person and the next person. What was the truth? It was certainly all on on the shop floor, on standing on somebody's shoulders. But we would structure that. So we would certainly have a a, a more formalised sort of mentoring thing. I would work with um, new people for, for quite some time. And we would also try and identify who's, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses of people were and try and work on those to improve them. So proper people strategy stuff so, in reality. Uh, and a, a bookselling business is absolutely founded on the people who work in it, on the booksellers. Much more coming up from James, my business shaper today. But first, latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. My name is Gary Miller, and one of the areas I'd like to talk about is disputes, dispute resolution, and how can entrepreneurs, big or small, um, deal with um, and find a speedy and cost-effective resolution to their problems. On the smaller side of things, if there is a way in which a businessman, when he finds himself in a predicament where he knows there is or about to be a dispute, um, look at quick fixes, because the reality is nobody other than the lawyers benefit from long-term and long drawn-out litigation. That's a reality. Litigation is becoming more and more expensive. And so what entrepreneurs should be looking for is quick and effective exits to those disputes. On the small scale, it may well constitute getting a mediator in a room, getting the parties around a table, banging their heads together and finding a quick um, uh, commercial solution to their problem. If it's a bigger problem and a war is inevitable, then make sure you're going into that war with the best weapons available to you that might be asset freezing orders, it might be evidence preservation orders, but at least they help you change the paradigm, change the nature of the game so that they are at least assured of some form of victory at the end of the day. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9 till 10 here on Jazz FM. You get to hear me interviewing a brilliant business shaper, someone who can really fill us with insight and actually ensure that we appreciate just what it takes to be a shaper in the world of business. Um, if you miss any previous shows, you know where to go. Go to iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, you'll find us there. If you fancy getting in touch today, you want to send us a tweet, we will endeavour to get back to you. That's at Jazz FM. That's our Twitter handle. James Daunt's my business shaper today. We've been talking about books and many Entering and actually how people become, or you can get the best out of people when, when, it, when it comes to selling and a service and, and delivering a product that someone really wants. And in this instance, we're talking about the bookshop environment. So James, your, your business um, grows, it becomes, it's a very respected business, the Daunt brand, as it were. I'm going to full fast forward to just a few years ago, and you get a phone call, I imagine, or you bump into someone at a party, whatever it was, and they say, you know what, James, you kind of getting this right. We need some help. We're a big bookshop. You've probably heard of us. Would you come and do it? What makes the owner of a business, and a really lovely one, go and try and help a really big company 
fix itself, and in this instance, Waterstones, which you're now your managing director of. Waterstones' situation was um, perilous, to say the least. They were the uh, the loss-making part of, of HMV, uh, which itself, as we now know, was not not exactly in the best of health and, and indeed is in administration at present. So a business that was truly at, at death's door to the enormous good fortune of, of Waterstones, but actually of, of all of us who are involved in the book world, publishers, uh, independent booksellers, the whole fabric of, of our, our book selling, book reading world. Um, Alexander Mahmoud, a, a Russian um, businessman with a, with a real genuine passion and interest in the world of, of books, decided to save it. Um, and, and in fact, it was his telephone call rather than, than anything from Waterstones uh, saying, look, this is about to fall over. Do you think it should be saved, could be saved, can be saved? Uh, to which the obvious answer was, well, it really should be saved because without Waterstones, there really isn't a proper bookselling structure in the United Kingdom. Waterstones is the only bookshop outside London in enormous numbers of small towns and the majority of our larger metropolitan cities as well. Um, and those of us who have independent bookshops, as, as in Daunt Books, are really feeding off the crumbs that fall off the table of the publishing industry that serves Waterstones. Uh, and therefore, I had, in truth, a, a self-interest in, in Waterstones remaining in business, as well as actually a, a genuine feeling that, given what my entire life has been really in bookselling, that, that bookshops matter and should remain as part of the fabric of, of the United Kingdom. And there are around 300 of these bookshops, is that right? There are around 300, and Waterston selling around £400 million worth of books is absolutely the dominant player within the niche of, of what we call general publishing, that is, um, literary uh, general books of, of the sort that most of us read. So really, absolutely an essential part. And if that had been removed, I'm not quite sure how publishers would have carried on with effectively Amazon as their only outlet for books and we in, uh, who run the small independents around and about need all the infrastructure and the warehousing and all the physical things that allow books to get out and about, most of which is, is predicated on the existence of Waterstones. Stay with me for more from James Daunt, my business shaper. Time for some brilliant music. This is indeed one of my favourites. It's Green Onions from Booker T and the MGs. was Green Onions from Booker T and the MGs, as I said, one of my absolute all-time favourites. James Daunt's my business shaper today. James, we're talking about, as you said, a bit of self-interest, which is very interesting, a self-interest that, that really drove you to say, you know what, A, it's a, a good for my own business as, as, as we speak, and you're still obviously the, the founder and the owner of that business, but B, there's a challenge because you need to keep Waterstones in the frame to ensure that, as you said, the, the ecosystem of, of book selling works in this country. Have you enjoyed going from a seven bookshop business to the challenges that 300 bookshops and thousands of em employees brings? I have. It's the same industry. Um, the same principles apply. And, and I suppose for my own well-being, um, the same actual truth um, also exists within Waterstones, that very, very nice people work for it. It is a really nice culture. They're fabulous 
passionate booksellers who keep Waterstones running and and as a group of people amongst which to work um, I couldn't ask for more uh, that having been an independent bookseller and rather looked askance at, at Waterstones through for, for many many years they were the big uh, sort of rather predatory it felt predatory presence up the high street from us uh, but of course actually it's the same business they're doing the same things and it's the same motivations nobody goes into bookselling to make their fortune it's something that we do because we love it because we think it matters and that's very much what I found and, and what I appreciate. Now, many pe- people are listening to this programme online um, or through their phones or through many other digital devices, as it were. The book selling business has fundamentally changed, as you know, as has the, the world of university since um, we were probably at university. You've obviously struck a deal um, with um, what has been called before, not by you, but by other people, you know, the, the evil enemy. What's the future? What's that relationship going to be like between digital providers of books like an Amazon or serving up on a, on, a, on a Kindle or whatever? How do you see that shaping up over the next few years? Because in 100 years, it'll be very different. But for the next 10 or 20, I imagine the changes will be, will be slower. Well, certainly we were looking at, at a very um, uncertain place a, a couple of years ago, even just when digital reading really exploded. And there was always that sense of you know when does this stop when is a natural equilibrium reached between physical book reading and digital do people switch altogether from one to the other or do they carry on doing both and i think we can now see what the answer to that is is um as we see quite clearly in the united states but but also here that the growth of digital reading is slowing that we are reaching an equilibrium that actually people do both um very few people do either all of one or all of the other, that it works particularly well in some genres, but doesn't in others. And we are at a, at a point, I think, where it works. Um, f- the good news for Waterstones and for physical bookshops is that the physical book absolutely is keeping its place that remains the preponderant way in which people choose to buy books and that there's enough of a market for us to survive. So that's the good news. I think in a Waterstones context, being able to participate in the digital reading world to sell people e-readers to um, have have an insight into how people are, are reading in that way is very important and we as booksellers always always ought to do whatever our customers want and I think in this case they want to read digitally and we as booksellers should make the judgment of what is the best digital reading experience out there well I would wish it was otherwise, but the answer is Amazon do a fabulous job there as they do in, in the in, in generally, um, and therefore it's fantastic that we're able to sell it to our customers. We'll have our final chat with James, plus play a track from Dinah Washington. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs> Sweet is going to leave you, yes, yes, on the next payday. Baby. 
That was Dino Washington and Baby Did You Hear. Just for a few more precious minutes, James Dort's my business shaper. I want to ask you how the team at Waterstones have reacted to this, you know, this this person who they respect from the independent world, the other side where kind of most of them probably at some point wish they were in a way, but also, you know, they have to do jobs and so on and there's only so many independent bookstores. Has the reaction been positive? Have they gone, here's the real deal, he's authentic, he cares, this is going to be good for Waterstones? I think so. One of the absolute essential revolutions that I've, and it is a revolution, is that we have driven down autonomy down into the bookshops and have encouraged and, and and really pushed our individual booksellers within our individual shops to to behave, I suppose, a bit more like independents, to develop their own personality, to differentiate themselves. When I arrived, every Waterstones was not slightly the same, but literally the same. The front of their shops were planogrammed. That is, they got a picture and they said, you, you have to put the books identically. Two, two for four quid or whatever it was over here on the left-hand side. I mean, they yeah, were the same. Literally, this yeah. green one with the blue cover, third shelf down, second yeah. one in. And that meant in Hampstead and Blackpool had exactly the same books out, which now very much isn't the case. But people in Blackpool read very differently to people in Hampstead and each of those shops and the booksellers within it are now choosing the books that go with that. I think that makes it a it's a much more difficult job, a much more challenging job. I think some of us um, will, will have found that transition a bit difficult because you're going from one way you're being told what to do to something where you actually have to use your own initiative. But it's enormously more stimulating and liberating. Um, but I also have to recognise that we have, as a business have gone through a huge amount of change, some of which is inevitably um, been painful. Uh, that That is, of course, the euphemism for cutting costs, which is never pleasant, um, but which we have done and, and which has been, I'm afraid, a necessary part of putting the business back onto a, an even keel. And it is on an even kill. I mean, the, the the slowdown has slowed down in a way. I mean, the, the there's less, there isn't growth at the moment, as I understand it. Unless you tell me the numbers are better than the last read of them, but the, the 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 lack of growth is much smaller than the lack of growth was kind of a couple of years before. So there's something that's working at the moment. It looks like certainly in our world, something is working. Um, the the overall amount, the overall market continues to contract. I think we do have a particular problem in how people use their time. The explosive growth of tablets and social media and all those other ways in which you can spend your time mean that perhaps people are spending a little less time reading than they once were. Um, I think we're part of, of trying to find a solution to that, to how do we keep people engaged with reading and keep people buying books because it's a fabulous way to spend your time um but within Waterstones we're certainly we've had you know we had a very good Christmas um and sales are stabilizing we're having great books bestsellers coming through we had this wonderful success with a, a book called stoner which anybody out there who hasn't read it please go into your bookshop and buy it a fabulous book published in the 50s yeah uh, rediscovered pushed through all our shops and we sold in fact we did an exclusive hardback sold 20,000 of them in under a month so you can sell books and we are selling books uh, and that is all to the good and what's going to drive you over the next few years? You've still got, you've still got your interest in Daunt, obviously, in the original, the original Daunt. <laughs> um, and now you're here in Waterstones. What do you see shaping up over the next few years for you personally? I think it is just this thing which was part of, of if I'd remained at Daunt Books, would have been what I just did a day-to-day -day naturally, but is very much part of my Waterstones world, is how do we make um, our, the physical environment of our bookshops ever more attractive? How, and how do we inspire and motivate our booksellers to give fabulous service? And if we can give them all the tools and the structure and the motivation and, and, and have a culture embedded, which that is absolutely instinctive, then that's 
a very nice environment in which to work, stimulating environment in which to work for all of us and, and hopefully, and I'm sure will be, uh, providing bookshops that people, book readers, continue to come into and enjoy. And just before I ask your song choice, you still read lots? I still read a, a, an awful lot, and and I, that's one of the remains one of the great pleasures of being a bookseller is you can sit there with your nose stuck in a book <laughs> and say, "Don't disturb me, I'm working." I'm very busy. Uh, this I've got to do some homework. Um, fantastic stuff, James. What's your song choice, and why have you chosen it? I am I am a bookseller, um, and at Christmas I read a fantastic book, which again I recommend to everybody. Uh, Ashley Khan's Kind of Blue, which is the history of, of the making of, of Miles Davis's uh, album, um, historic album, and therefore um, I would leave it to you to choose because you're not going to be able to play a whole track to choose a, a snippet of a track um, because it's a it's a fabulous album, uh, but the book Kind of Blue is is also wonderful. Fantastic stuff. I'll leave it to Dom, the producer, to choose exactly what we play from Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. James, thank you very much for being my business shaper today. This is Miles Davis and Kind of Blue. That was from Kinda Blue from Miles Davis, the song choice of my business shaper today, James Daunt, one of the key people making sure that the independent and now indeed the wider book business stays healthy in the UK. Fantastic guy, really passionate about what he does. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's nine o'clock next Saturday morning for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, do stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.